Remain standing if you prefer. <laughs> it's a free country. At least as of today, it's a free country. I can't. Never mind. Good to see everybody. Would you like to know what's happening at 6 o'clock today? No, not the end of the world. That, that, uh, somebody's prophesying that, is he not? Okay, so we'll see. But even something better than that, Michael from Pittsburgh, PA, Kerr, is getting married. Right there, that guy right there. Six o'clock today. Yeah. Oh, is Mary here? Oh, I'm sorry. Mary, he's Nancy's sister, Nancy, and she's an Italian lady. Don't mess with her. And that's Mary, to whom Michael is getting married. I didn't see you there, Mary. Congratulations. They're going to be the M&Ms. The M&Ms. They're getting married at the cross. And that's a great place to tie the knot. Wonderful, wonderful. Congratulations to you. Fantastic. Really cool. So, Mike, she's going to have to learn how to cook uh, pasta and stuff like this, no? That's him. Nancy, are you going to help? You checked her out? She... <laughs> We need more Yankees here. Look, look at that spunk. You know what I mean? This is great. Congratulations to you. Wonderful, wonderful. Great event. It's supposed to hail later today. Did you know that? No. No way. <clears throat> Are you going on a honeymoon or anything? Where y'all going? To where? Oh, you're going to Rock? That's where Chuck likes to go. Man, oh man. Yeah, is Chuck going? Well, yeah, that's a good That's a good question. Rockport, very nice. We wish you well. God bless you both. Mike is such a servant heart. My heavens. Look what he's been doing. He's been doing this for years and years. Mike, we go back to the movie theater, don't we? Even before? Before movies? Silent films. Why are we talking about this? I'll tell you. I'm not prepared. That's, let's just fess up. No, no, no. Okay, really good, good, good. Wonderful. Nice to see everyone. Do you know the Most High God came in the most unusual manner? In your wildest expectation, if asked, you could not imagine how the Most High God would come. It's not just a Christmas event. No, 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 no. It's an everyday event. Yes. Can you imagine? How could you reach up to the Most High God if he didn't come down to earth? Um, there could be no point of contact. And so we read about it today. That's the text, Luke. We're continuing our study. So Luke chapter 1, while you turn there, something else comes to mind. I'm just thinking about Mike and Mary getting married today. Would you like to see two other people who are celebrating their 18th wedding anniversary today? Yeah. Who, who, who could guess who they are? Marty and Stella Walsh. Right.
Congratulations. Wonderful. Have you ever seen Mike and Mary? Uh, I don't want to put pressure on you, but they raised the bar as far as romance. So when you run into bumps in the road, you will. You, you, you need to check out how the Walshes have succeeded. L I mean, they're just, it's embarrassing. They're so in love. It's just embarrassing. I tell you, stop it. We're in Bibles. <laughs> Congratulations to both of you. Those that, they're in love with the Lord Jesus, and so uh, it translates to their love. For, this is the key for horizontal relationships because of their weddedness to him. Their weddedness to one another is such a beautiful thing. We love both of you guys. Congratulations to you. I must confess, I didn't know today was your anniversary, but you have many, many fans who whispered to me uh, that I w don't miss it, don't mess up. If you do, we're leaving the church. <laughs> and actually, for some of them, I wanted to take them up on that. You know, let's just face it. <clears throat> Anyway, congratulations to you both. Two of the most wonderful, um, finest people. They make the family of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ richer. You want to belong to it. They're living proof of a loving God, and so we wish you well. Yes, Charlie. So remember I was telling you that they make belonging to the family of God such a wonderful thing? And then, <laughs> I'm just saying. <clears throat> so look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. That's where we are, just a few verses. Luke 1, 26. What, did you go to the first, did you hear the handbells? I'm looking at Pam over here. How did it go? Did it go? Did it go well? Listen, that is an thank you, dear sister. That is an art form. They work at it, and so I'm glad it went well. Wonderful. Thank you all for that ministry. Wonderful. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So here's what it says, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, what is that a reference to? Sixth month of what? Who, whose pregnancy? Yeah, Elizabeth. So you remember Brother Chuck was teaching last week about this marvelous announcement that John the Baptist would be born. John the Baptizer. He wasn't a Baptist like a denomination. You know, he was the Baptizer. And so it was announced that Elizabeth would bear him. So in the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, angels, do you believe in them? Of course, they're in the Bible. You know, they serve under the authority of Almighty God. You don't see them. Do you think, are, they, are there angels today? Do angels do ministry? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't see them a lot. You know why? Because they, they serve under the radar. Because we're people. We start worshiping angels. No, 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 no. So they, it's behind the scenes mostly because we're supposed to glorify God, not angels. But they're real. So, and this, angels, you can see certain angels in the Bible have... Um, have uh, designated functions, and it appears that Gabriel was the announcer of stuff. And so he announced 
uh, Elizabeth's situation that you would bear a child, you know, John the baptizer, and, uh, and, and he's now announcing the birth of a greater one, the Lord Jesus. So six months, Gabriel was sent from God. See, angels do what God tell them to do, sent from God. He's the highest authority to a city in Galilee. So here's how Israel's made up, if you think about it. Let's go from south to north, provinces. In the south, Judah. And then in the middle, Samaria. And north, Galilee. So Galilee, most northern area in Israel. It's called uh, uh, Galil HaGoyim, or Galilee of the Gentiles. Why? Because if you were invading Israel from the north, that's a good way to, to, to you, you come through Galilee, the district of the Gentiles. So a lot of invading Gentile armies from the north would settle up there. So you had more Gentiles in the northern part of Israel than in others. So it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. God said, Gabriel, go from where you were and go north uh, to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, everyone's heard of it today. But can I tell you something? It was an extremely insignificant city in that day. Possibly no more than 100, 150 people. We're not talking major metropolis here. You know, it's just a, it's, it's, I mean, hee-haw would have been filmed. It is, you're talking about country right here. There's nothing going on in Nazareth, very insignificant. It's just like God. You know what he does? <clears throat> he turns everything upside down because our priorities are messed up. We just, we just attribute greatness to the wrong stuff. <sighs> so so <laughs> the most extraordinary event in the history of humankind, the coming of God through a young teenage Jewish girl, is going to take place here, not in Rome, not in Jerusalem, not in Brooklyn, not in it, right there, Nazareth. Go to Nazareth, God says to Gabriel, to a virgin, verse 27. Does your Bible say to a virgin? Yeah, yeah it's true. You know what the Greek word is for it? Parthenos, like Parthenon. You know the Parthenon, that building that sits on the Acropolis in Athens? This word is virgin. Some people say it just means um, young person. No, they don't know what they're talking about. It means virgin, meaning young gal who has not been with a man. That's what we're talking about right here. So go to a virgin, engage. Does your Bible say engaged? Uh, betrothed is better. Now mine says engaged. Okay. The reason why betrothed is better is that it's not exactly parallel to our engagement. Look, two people get engaged, um, and they, they decide, who is? Oh, those kids back there. Yeah, that is right. By the way, um, Billy and Kim's son is right there. See that guy? Could you raise your hand for us? And he's going in the Air Force a little later uh, in June, and so we wish you well, my friend. Lackland Air Force Base, where uh, real mean people are going to yell at you. I just want it would just be like your parents, essentially, except with guns. And so... <laughs> That's the only difference. So anyway, um, so if you're engaged and you decide, nah, you know, uh, we don't want to get married. Um, 
it doesn't have the same ramifications as if you're betrothed. Tell you what I mean. Jewish marriage in, in this culture is kind of like a three-phased deal. First phase is the arrangement. Does that happen by dating one another? Oh, no. That happens by mommy and daddy setting you up. That's the way it was. So you get two sets of parents, the guy's parents, the gal's parents, and they make a deal. And you're just involved. That's the way, and that's a good thing. It saves you a whole bunch of money on dating and makeup and all this, trying to impress each other. You have nothing to do with it. Parents set this up as betrothal. You are in a relationship. It's kind of a legal and binding kind of a thing, except you have not consummated the relationship physically yet. So the guy is still living with his parents and the gal with her parents. And the betrothal period could last quite a while, actually. If there is unfaithfulness during the betrothal period, it is considered the same as adultery. So can you see the ramifications of betrothal are a little, little more serious than, than engagement. It's a little different. It's still legally binding. You're considered in the neighborhood as an item, even during the betrothal period. And then the third phase is the actual public exchange of vows, and, uh, which is part of what constitutes biblical marriage and before God and witnesses, and then the, the physical consummation of the event. So, so to be with child during the betrothal period is going to uh, invoke the attention of everyone in Nazareth, let me just tell you. It's sm if you're from a small town, you know everybody knows everybody's business, so everybody in Nazareth knew what was going on. She this lady, Mary, as a teenager, she's probably a teenage, she's just a young Jewish girl, and she's going to start showing folks, and there's gonna, she's going to be the talk of the town and beyond. So anyway, she's betrothed to a guy named Joseph of the descendants of David. Why is that important to see? Descendants of David. Why is that in there? Line of David, Lord Jesus. It's prophesied. Earlier on, Messiah will come from the line of David. You know why God does those things? To help us to figure out certain ones are pretenders to the throne. So God gives a lot of criteria by which we can determine the genuineness of the Lord Jesus' legal, lawful right to the throne. So Joseph, we are told is a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was, what does your Bible say? Okay, look, I'm not going to make too big a deal over this, uh, except I'm going to make a, a big deal over this. Um, her name is Miriam. So you see, Hebrew name is Miriam. When it's translated to Greek, I defy you, if you can get a hold of a Greek New Testament and find the word, you'll see it says Miriam. So Miriam is Hebrew. Greek rendering is Miriam. And we have Mary. How'd you get that? Yeah, thank you. Anglicized. Remember I was telling you either, either here or Wednesday night when I was ranting and raving. I, I rant and rave so many times I can't keep track. Um, people thought that the Bible is too Jewish, so they started to de-Jewishize it. 
anglicize it, and so her name was changed from Miriam to Mary. So is that an accurate translation? I'm just trying to tell you no. Does that mean you should not have confidence in the Bible? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying some of the translation, some of the translators had a bias. Let me put it that way. So I'm going to go with Mary because I'm a good guy. And, you know, they're more important things. But I happen to know where's Miriam. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's the deal. And verse 28, coming in, that's the angel. The angel comes in to her in Nazareth. He said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, so now we get a little uh, potentially offensive, yet biblical, I think. Do you notice that the angel who greeted Mary did not worship Mary? Okay, just want you to know that. I just want you to see. You could do what you want, but the angel did not worship Mary. Do you notice the angel did not pray to Mary? Now, you can do what you want. But if you want to be biblical, you, know, you want to take your marching orders from the scriptures, let's do so. The angel greeted her warmly. She is to be treated with respect, and you'll see why for sure. But she is not to be worshipped. The angel did not worship Mary. The angel did not pray to Mary. When the angel said, in fact, greetings, favored one, he did not say greetings, one who gives favor. Can you see the difference? Listen. This is even borne out by the Greek construction. Now, this is not a language class, but I think uh, the point I'm going to make um, is legitimate here. When it says a uh, favored one, it's a passive participle in Greek, which means Mary is the recipient of favor, not the emissary of it. Meaning God in his sovereignty, take it up with him. Why her, not someone else? You can talk to God about that. God decided to bestow his favor upon Mary. What did she do? She simply is the vessel receiving it. Remember, passive. If it's an active rendering, that means she actively engaged in bestowing favor to others. But that's not what the scripture says. Not in the English translation, not in the Greek translation. Uh, 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 construction. It's passive. When you're passive, that means you just things are done to you. That's what that means. You're not the doer. You're the one receiving what someone is doing. She's the recipient of what God done did. God decided to bestow favor on her. We respect all this. Don't misunderstand. But we don't bow before Mary. Mary would be quite upset if she saw us doing that. I'll prove it to you in just a second. So uh, there is something called the Latin Vulgate, which is uh, a translation of the Bible uh, uh, from which the Roman Catholic Church, on which the Roman Catholic Church depends on, the Latin Vulgate. And in the Latin Vulgate, the rendering is Mary... Um, full of grace. And so you hear sometimes the expression, hail Mary, full of grace. Now, I just want to tell you, you may be offended, but it's true. So that's just the way it is. Um, that is a very, very poor and inaccurate translation. It does not say, hail Mary, full of grace. It says, greetings, Mary, you who have been highly favored 
by the Lord. She is not inherently full of grace so that when you bow before her, pray to her, or worship her, she bestows grace. That is not the rendering, and yet the Latin Vulgate seems to indicate that. So this is a little technical, but I just want to tell you, this is one of the ways in which certain traditions, which die hard, creep into man-made religious systems. Now, if you're on the verge of getting really offended uh, because you're from this background, my tradition goes way beyond yours. Mine is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And let me tell you something. If it doesn't square with biblical truth, it has to be left behind. So, so that's the way all of us have to do it. We come to the Bible and we value the prior religious experiences we have had, which the Lord has built upon, but we want to have the mind of Christ. And so we're just reading what it plainly says in the scripture. She's a teenage Jewish girl who did not see this coming. She's in an insignificant place in northern Israel. She receives an angelic visitation and the message, greetings to you, God's favor is going to come upon you. To make more of Mary than a recipient of God's grace is a distortion of the scriptures. All right, so there you have it. Charlie? Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the way we can figure out that that's not to be done is simply to consult Luke. It's not that complicated here. Listen, listen here. It's either church tradition, which is your highest authority, or it is the Bible, which is your highest authority. That is the measuring line for all things. Now, if you want to make church tradition your highest authority, well, okay. But, but I'm just trying to tell you, that's probably going to le- be askance from the scriptures. If you want to make the scriptures your highest authority, then as much as we may value church tradition, it has to take a back seat to the scriptures. So you know what? This, this is put your money where your mouth is. If you're saying Jesus is Lord, well then okay, then we have to consult the words of the Lord and take our marching orders from it. I don't care how many centuries old is our religious tradition, if it's inconsistent with the scriptures, what are you going to leave behind? I had this discussion with a rabbi years ago. We were studying Genesis, and I shared something with him that he objected to. What a surprise. And uh, so he got up to get another book from his shelf, and it's a commentary. It was a rabbinical commentary on the text we were studying. And he says, see, it says right here, and it was contrary to what the scripture said. So I said, as respectfully as I could, Rabbi, uh, what it, th- there comes to be a conflict between the word of God and the word of man. Which one are you going to pay attention to? And he freaked out <laughs> because he said there is no conflict. And by the way, that's what man-made religion is. It's an amalgam of the word of God plus the traditions of man. Every world religion, everyone. So if I'm offending, you think I'm only offending one particular religion. Oh, no, I can offend everyone. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's the way it is. That's what it is. I mean, that's why Paul says. Paul says, you know what I'm praying? That your minds wouldn't be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. You see, religion can lead us away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Okay, so here we go. By the way, you see where it says uh, one who has been highly favored by God? Just to show you that uh, though Mary is to be respected yet not revered, do you know that same expression is used with reference to every single follower of the Lord Jesus? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Ephesians 1, verse 6, I'll read it to you. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That's the same, the same collection of words that you're reading in Luke. Us, not just Mary. She's a, a, a recipient of God's grace, for sure. He bestowed his grace on her, for sure. And he bestowed his grace on you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see? So she's a human being. Don't misunderstand. There are angels, there's God, there's us. Which category is Mary in? She's in the us category. We do not worship one another. Okay. So verse 29, but she, Mary, was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Now let me tell you something. <laughs> if Mary thought she was inherently different than anybody else, if she thought she was inherently full of grace, she would not have said this to Gabriel. She wouldn't have been perplexed at all. She would have said, Gabe, I saw it coming. Where you been? What took you so long? She wouldn't have been perplexed at all. She would say, this is my due. I'd be special. She didn't say anything. She acted just like a teenage girl from a small town would. She said, what? Perplexed. Come again? That's what she said. And she kept pondering. She's stuck. She's trying to make, figure it out. What kind of salute? What? Me? Favored by God? What? Don't you see? That's why I say Mary would, would go ballistic if she saw a whole body of people attributing to her more then should be attributed, praying to her, bowing to her, hail Mary, full of grace. You know, all these, come on. That, Mary, no way. So then says verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do you know that is the most oft-repeated commandment in the Bible? Right there, don't be afraid. You know why? Because we're often given to fear about everything. We could we just start here on this side of the room. Don't worry, I won't. But we could. We just say, we say, what are you afraid of? And if we're honest, oh my goodness, I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of being alone the rest of my life. I'm afraid of cancer. I'm afraid of the world. I'm afraid of whatever politicians. I mean, I, I'm. You know, we just do not be afraid. Do not. Mary needed it. Why? She's just a human. I need it. You need it. Do not be afraid. Angel said to her, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, this is amazing to me on many fronts. 
God is entrusting this little gal uh, to bear the son of the Most High God. And Joseph is entrusted with the role of being essentially legal foster father, you might say. This is major trust. But the one thing God did not entrust to them was the naming of the child. And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? He's the Savior. Now, names in biblical days different than in our day. You know, now we choose names because, oh, I like that first name. It sounds good with the last name. You know how we try to do this kind of, kind of stuff? Western uh, name calling is different. It's just, you know, what's your name? Oh, my name is Stuart. What's your name? Oh, my name is so-and-so. That tells the difference between two people. But in biblical times, no, no, no. A name was kind of a reference to the character or function of the one named. So, for instance, Moses. Moses, Moshe, means drawn forth. Remember he was drawn forth out of the water? So names did a whole lot more than just designate someone. You shall call his name Yeshua. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And Yeshua or Jesus means variously. God is salvation or God saves, something like that. It's a form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And from Joshua, we get Yeshua. And from Yeshua, we get Jesus. And so you will call his name Jesus. And verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, who's going to call him that? The Son of the Most High. His Father. And we are, brother. Now, listen to me. Uh, you need to think of Jesus in the same way the, the, the Most High God thinks of him. Because you do not want to be at odds with the Most High God. If the Most High God says, <laughs> and he will be called the Son of the Most High God, then I am not going to reduce Jesus to the level of, well, he was a good teacher. Oh, he was, but much more. He is the son of the Most High God. Who says? His father. Yes. You want to mess with his father? His father is the Most High God. So, so the deal in life is to be on the same sheet with the Most High God. With regard to everything, especially with regard to what the Most High God says about his son. The Most High God says, and he shall be called. Not if you like it. Not if you... He shall be called the son of the Most High God. So that is really, really, really important. You talk to people, you know, Jesus, you know, that's fine if you want to believe in Jesus. If it makes you happy, that's cool. But, the, you know, the all roads lead to Rome. Oh, no. He is the definite article, not a son. The son. He's the only begotten. You can be an adopted son or daughter. I hope you are. by faith. But he's the only begotten son. When it says he is the son of the Most High God, Mary knew what was going on. She knew that meant he has the same nature as the father. Father and son. 
copies. Same nature. So this one, who would be born in her, think about this, this teenage kid is trying to take this all in, would have the essential nature of God. And so here you have a kind of allusion to the humanity and divinity of Christ. Human, he's going to be born of Mary, divine. Well, hang on, he's the son of the Most High God. How's that work together? I have no idea. I'm so thrilled to tell you I have no idea. Why am I so thrilled? Why would you worship a God you fully understand? He'd just be your pal, right? Well, he's not our pal. He's the most high God. He's higher than our mentality. That I can't understand how the humanity and divinity of Christ works doesn't mean I can't believe it. I believe, oh, God. You are great. You do everything to surprise us. It's surprising that you sent the angel to Nazareth. It's surprising that you're doing this through a teenage Jewish girl. It's surprising that you're fully God and fully man. Wow! You really shake up our puny reasoning, don't you? You do the unexpected. Oh, God, you are worthy of praise and worship. Don't you see? That's how it goes. So anyway, that's what's going on over here. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. In verse 33, and he will reign over the house of who? Jacob. Isn't that interesting? For how long? Yeah, forever. Interesting. This, to me, seems to fly in the face of the a particular point of view growing in popularity in our day called replacement theology, meaning God's done with the Jews because the Jews are done with him. <clears throat> if that's true, can you please explain to me verse 33? And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Folks, that's a reference to Israel. Forever. So what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. God approaches the Jews first with covenant. They squander the privileges. Down to this very day, Jewish people, my people, are hard-hearted, stiff-necked, generally, with reference to God. So what does God do? He uses the time to extend the message of salvation more widely to Gentile people. So it's referred to, the day in which we live, as the fullness of the Gentiles. Taken from Romans 11, verses 25 to 27. I don't want you to be an uninformed. Paul says that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles. That's where I get the term. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. But you can't stop there because it says, and then all Israel will be saved. So we're in a period now where most followers of Jesus are Gentile people. Jews are an exception to the rule. And that has led some theologians in high places to conclude that God is irreversibly done with the Jews. It's over with them. That's not true. This is a time period called the fullness of the Gentiles, and there'll be a time when he returns to focus his attention on the Jews again, and we may be closer than you think, because stuff is happening... Wow, 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 wow. 
at a rapid clip in our day. And so uh, the Lord Jesus is seated on the throne right now, is he not? But it's in heaven. There will come a day when he's seated on the throne on earth, and that's called the millennial reign of Christ. And it's during that time when you'll see him fulfill his promises to Israel. And many promises, for instance, you know in the Bible when it says, is it the lion lying down with the lamb, or what animals there? What wolf is it, Tom? Wolf, it's like animals who in the natural order don't get along, I guess is what the deal is. There'll come a day under the, under the kingship of the Lord Jesus, the hostilities even in the natural order will be reversed. Now, folks, we're not there just yet. That's why in zoos they separate animals, you know. So, so we're not at that time yet. It's in during, that, during that time when the Lord will establish himself in a temple in Jerusalem and the nations of the world will go up to Jerusalem and worship the king of kings. So no, he's not done with Israel yet. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time explaining what we just read. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So that means forever. Okay, so then it goes on. Uh, and his kingdom will have no end. By the way, if you're looking for someone to follow, you should follow the one whose kingdom has no end. Because if you're a subject of the one whose kingdom has no end, that means you won't have an end. But if you're a follower of a political leader or somebody else, they all come to their end. Yeah, they sure do. That's a good thing. Every human authority has his or her end. Be careful about putting your undue hopes in anybody whose period of authority and rulership is time-limited. Better <laughs> to be dependent on, trusting in, looking to the one whose kingdom will have no end. I have no idea what course the world's nations and all the rest are going to take, including ours. I don't know. And I'm concerned, for sure, don't misunderstand. But not that much, because I'm a subject of the one whose kingdom will have no end. So I know whatever may happen in terms of the international alignment of powers, it doesn't matter, because the thing that lasts is right there. His kingdom will have no end. And if you're a subject of this king, don't you see you're saved not only from sin. Don't just reduce it to that. You're saved from hopelessness. You're, you're saved from disappointment. You're, you're, you're saved from, 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 from changing administrations, political administrations. Good night. You're a subject of the one whose kingdom will have no end. Now, Mary said to the angel, verse 34, how can this be? I'm a virgin. It's not disbelief. It's perplexity. She had not been with a man. That's what literally means, I don't know a man. How could this be? I do not know. In the physical sense, I don't know a man. How, 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 could, how could this be? It's kind of, uh, <laughs> wow, kind of un uh, uh, unusual. I've not had relations with anyone. So how could I conceive and... How, how, how could I have a, have, have a child? And so the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So the angel is, here's the explanation. He's essentially saying, I know where you come from, Mary. Uh, but all the rules, <laughs> all the natural expectations, um, do not limit God. In fact, he's going to overshadow. See the word overshadow? It's the very word used when God filled the holy of holies in the tabernacle and the temple. He filled it. He overshadowed it. It's as if Mary's, as if the angel is saying, Miriam, your womb. Trust God, Mary. Mary, your womb is going to be a holy of holies for the very Son of God. It's just an extraordinary kind of thing. Randy? Yeah. I don't think any better uh, insight, Randy, than, than you probably have. It's just that the ministration of the, of the Holy Spirit um, um, is gentle, is dove-like, is quiet, generally. Uh, he does not call attention to himself. So the work of the Most High God would be through the Holy Spirit, um, Who's, who's quiet, who's gentle, and so on, and who's going to take care of this young little gal. I, I'm just, I'm just, you ask, you ask a great, a great question. Charlie? Now, Charlie uh, um, makes a good statement. Doesn't the Holy Spirit enter us for similar reasons, to, to, to overshadow, to overcome? Yes, sir, he does. Yes, well said. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Charlie? Yes. Yes. Um, your comments give us a little insight. You have God the Father, uh, God the Son, of course, God the Holy Spirit. Um, the Son was enfleshed. We're reading about it, birthed of Mary, you know. Uh, but it's the Spirit of God, not the, not the embodied and fleshed God who actually comes into our, our life. It's his spirit, not just an impersonal spirit, the Holy Spirit who, who prevails upon us and overshadows us just as, as Mary was. And so that's the answer the angel gives. And I got to tell you, just as we're filled with all manner of questions which we can't answer, I'm sure Mary was as well. And yet there was, there was something in, her, in this marvelous gal that caused her to respond just to what she was offered. To help her a little bit, however, the angel reminds her of something. Verse 36, he says, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now 
in her sixth month. Uh, Elizabeth, by human standards, was too old to have a baby. Mary, by human standards, was too young and unmarried to have a, to have a baby. This is just God saying, don't put me into a box. <laughs> I'm, I'm not limited. So this would be a little incentive to her faith. And the angel says, you see, nothing's impossible. It's as if he's saying, you can't, we can't explain these things fully. You wouldn't be able to receive it, but just know nothing's impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Do you have a translation that says, renders this a little different? Handmaid. Better. Uh, that's actually more accurate. Uh, handmade. Why is it more accurate? That is the lowliest uh, category of servitude available to women in that day. A handmaid of a master. <laughs> you couldn't be in a lowlier position. Handmade. And I, 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 this Mary is just something. Lots of questions unanswered, but this marvelous capacity to trust God. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. That's who I am. You see? She didn't say, behold, I'm full of grace. I'm to be worshipped. I'm to be... You know what she's saying? It's the greatness of the Son of the Most High God that this is all about. Not the greatness of the one who will bear him. <laughs> so we've kind of reversed things, not we. Some have reversed things. And so she said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And that's all that needed to be done, and the angel departed. May it be done to me according to your word. Listen, we are not supposed to devote ourselves to Mary, but we're not to disrespect Mary either. Wow. A young girl. May it be done to me according to the word of the Lord. Yes. Yes. That's a great, great question. I wasn't here last week either. So <laughs> let's just make it up as we go along. When this is, you ask a great question. It appears it isn't the asking of the question that's the issue. It's the attitude behind the questions we ask. It appeared that Zechariah's question was not a quest for more information. It was a statement of unbelief in the form of a question for which he was rebuked. But little Mary's question was not a, a, um, uh, a, um, a, uh, a statement of unbelief. She wanted to know, she, I know the Messiah is coming, but I had no idea I would have this role in it. And by the way, how could it be? Because I've not been with a man. And you can see as soon as she got the angel's answer, which may not have been all that satisfying for all of us, Mary, uh, the Spirit of God will overshadow you. That's all she, 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 see her response shows her question was just a quest for information. It wasn't a statement of disbelief. Don't you think this is interesting? The male, older, religious, authority figure didn't believe. The female, teenager, little kid from Dinky Nazareth said, I'm just a handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. 
You see, look how God reverses the, the categories. That's a great question. Yeah, it would have been nice if Brother Chuck dealt with it last <laughs> week, but no. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. This is what Brother Chuck and I do. And if you don't think he has stuff to use against me, you are. That's what we do. Instead of studying the Bible, <laughs> we try to get each other. So, folks, you know what would be cool? To be able to make the same statement to God that Mary did. May it be, may it be done to me according to your word. You know what she's saying? Thy will be done. Do you know her life is not going to be normal? She's a teenager in Nazareth with a big stomach. But she's not been with a man. Well, how'd that happen? She's going to tell people. Oh, thanks. God did this? What? God over what? Overshat What? Holy Spirit, holy what? What? Son of Moses in you? What? What? It's not going to be normal. And yet she said, may it be done to me according to your word. When you become possessed by the Holy Spirit of God, it's not going to be normal for you. She's not going to, what? What? Unless I believe in Jesus like you? I'm going to be forever separated from God? What? You're, you call yourself, you're a child of God? What? What? Aren't we all? No, you say? No? Not everyone? No? Just people who believe what you believe? What? What? Heaven? You think you're going? You think you're going to? What? Bible words? You think that's God's word? God wrote that? What? What? You see, it would be cool if we would say, oh, God, may it be done no matter what, according to your word, because you've bestowed upon us high favor to be called children of God. It says this, First John, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. Therefore, the world does not know us. Because it did not know him. So, Lord Jesus, may it be done to us according to your word. This we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next time. Maybe. <laughs>